what was it like to see? I, I, what's it like to read? <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Four Ears. I'm so pumped about this one, guys. I'm really pumped about this one. Like, for realsies. Because we've been talking a lot about hip-hop. And while I enjoy... The only genre that matters. <laughs> that's fucking wrong. While I enjoy hip-hop, I fucking love metal and other types of music. And uh, today, we actually get a chance to talk about our favorite 90s albums, which are non-hip-hop. For me, there is there is no 90s hip-hop album which tops this, but these are... I have an, a whole series of favorite 90s albums. Not one of them is a hip-hop album. That's right. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> there's only there's probably only one hip-hop album from the 90s that I even give a shit about. It's getting jiggy with it, isn't it? Correct. No, it's uh, Aquemini. Oh, that's, but that's strong. That, that, that's probably, I always forget that's even 90s. Dude, I think it is. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's Aquemini like 1998. Like yeah. So that's that's probably my that's probably my only hip hop album from the nineties that I really give a shit about. But today, wow, Chase and I we're gonna be doing our favorite nineties albums non hip hop. Chase, yeah, can you believe I actually picked a non hip hop album? I can. I know. Th- I know the uh, the breadth of your of your uh, music taste. I'm yeah. just I'm surprised that it's not a sad album. I'm surprised it's not just like a, I feel like it's a sad album, a depressing. It's a sad it's, album. Okay. Fair enough. What okay? What did you pick? What did you pick, Chase? It's definitely a sad album because the lead singer of this group did what all sad music makers aspire to do: get murdered by Courtney Love. Yes, <laughs> I'm so glad that's where you took it. So many people still don't believe that. Yeah, hundred percent. Courtney Love is responsible for his death. So. so, at risk of being cliche, I picked Nirvana's "Nevermind." I don't think that's cliche at all. I think it's basic. But basic I don't think it's cliche. Alert. And I, the reason why I don't think it's cliche, I think it's basic because of how ubiquitous it has become and how it, tr- it literally fucking changed music. It, so it's know, one think, of the honestly Nirvana is one of the one of the first things where I realized that I'm uh, I just need to give up because I'm a full full blown hipster. It's, it's the first thing where I was like, I'd start like once I figured it out and decided that I liked it and it resonated with me. I'd see like people wearing the shirt in like college and see people like just kind of like dressing like that grunge aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, poser, <laughs> you're not sad. <laughs> you don't know what he means. And that was the first time I was like, I don't know where they're at on their journey. Maybe they are sad. Maybe they do really like Nirvana. But that's when I first identified it. But yeah, I picked I picked Nevermind. That's a, that's Which a, is surprising to me. It's a good album. I'm Solid. not I'm not upset about it. Do you have like do you, what was like the other albums that you were trying to decide between? So the other possibility uh I think one that we both hit on was Metallica's Black album. Fuck yes. Uh it was really that this wasn't a tough decision for me, but part of me was like maybe I should talk about this anyway. Me against the world. But these are hip hop albums. <laughs> yeah, I was like I don't I don't recognize that metal album. The Chronic. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and then uh, what was what was the other one that I mentioned? Uh, I think you mentioned a Nine Inch com- Nails album. Yeah, Downward Spiral. I'm Downward just completely Spiral. blanking on everything. Which, by the way, might be the saddest album of all time. I'm really disappointed they didn't pick it. But honestly, Downward Spiral, I can't I can't speak confidently about because 
like I, I don't know the names of the songs and I I don't know like 100% facts about anything. Fair enough. I'm just like, man, Trent Reznor is a badass. Yeah. Well, so the the I had I had a handful of albums that I was I there was not one of them that were go, that was going to replace the album that I ended up picking, which some of you who are a fan of this band or album have already picked up on based off of the song that we just played and I picked Tools Anima. Uh and the other albums which kind of like sort of popped up were Metallica's Black Album. Hell yeah. Megadeth's Rust in Peace. Oh fuck. That one was tough because I was like, which Megadeth which early nineties Megadeth album do you pick? Rust in Peace. Rust in Peace, I think, is the one. Um I thought Alice in Chains Unplugged mm-hmm. is actually on there because I couldn't pick one Alice in Chains album that I wanted to pick. Uh but um Smashing Pumpkins melancholy infinite sadness i'm glad you didn't pick that one that's not that's not one of my favorites um but i felt like it was it's pretty iconic and i actually instead of thinking that of uh the downward spiral i prefer nine inch nails follow-up the fragile to downward spiral that's because you're weird it's a double album twice the depression and uh i also have listened to it probably cover to cover 30 times uh, maybe more because it, it was just something that I was constantly listening to um, while while commuting in LA. So I listened to The Fragile much more than I listened to Downward Spiral, even though they're both really good. Uh, another one that I wanted to add to this list, Chris Cornell, Soundgarden. Yeah. There's there's just a lot. <clears throat> it's really, this was, it's really tough. It's yeah. tough to pick and you an get an album like this. I got into the weeds and got narrowed, narrowed down on like a small sect of music. But there's a there's a whole breadth of stuff that I just deem and think about because I didn't have the the capacity yeah. to think about. But the album that I ended up picking, uh, Tools Anima, is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's not my favorite Tool album, but it certainly is one of my favorite albums of all time. And I will I I want to just start off by saying that I'm very well aware that a lot of Tool fans are douchebags so you think so i i hope that i hope that i don't fall into that category because they still carry that that stigma i think so if because i was looking over the genius annotations on these lyrics Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of it that's like it's like this smarmy like looking down on everybody like yeah it's people with like a superiority complex exactly i get tool and you don't get it exactly and i don't want i don't want to be that way yeah, you I don't, don't want, care about being that way. That's, that's what I was trying to explain with Nirvana. <laughs> right. It's like you don't want to... There's Just being a fan of a band doesn't make you better than other people because you're a fan of that band. Unless right? that band's Run the Jewels. Unless that band is Tool. Run the I Jewels. I mean... <laughs> dude, we should make a mashup of Run the Jewels and Tool and call it Run the Tools. Someone do this name, shit. Name pending. Get on it. We'll uh, take all credit. Anyway, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna pick a handful of songs from these albums. Uh, do you want to do like an intro to this album, like what this album, like, it means to you or something? Let's do that. Give me like a general idea of why you picked Nevermind. Yeah. So, for me, not. Let me let me let me step back. So I was born in 1992 to date myself. God damn it! And this album came out in 1991. So I wasn't there for like the initial like 
cultural impact. You've of, picked an album older than you. Of, of Bleach and all the hysteria and hype that was behind the the mythos of Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Um, so I like missed all of that. And I would say I didn't really discover uh, Nirvana until high school. Um, and when I say discover is... I mean, I didn't realize what I had been listening to my entire time growing up. I was just like, you'd hear a song and be able to know all the words to it, come on the radio, but you didn't know why. That's a, that's that's pretty much the situation with with uh, with Nevermind. Like every song on this on this album, uh, with the exception of like Territorial Pissings and uh, Polly and um, maybe some other cuts, maybe like Come Come as You Are. Like the all the other songs on here, like I. I just know like it's in my DNA at this point because it's been played to me so much growing up, uh, whether it was in the house or on the radio or like my friends were playing it. Um, and the reason I picked it is because it, it, it's definitely had some like, uh, you know, perspective shaping qualities about it to me. Like, uh, I just keep coming back to it. Um, I, you know, it's just like this album is able to like influence your mood if you're listening to it, it'll put you like in a headspace that uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's always the right headspace to be in, but it's definitely like a darker, darker headspace, more chilled back. It, it's just it just has like this ability to make like create a vibe and you could really uh, with 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 the lyrics and, and what's what's being said on the album. I feel like it's something that you either it either resonates with you or it, or it doesn't. Um, I feel like there's people out there that are just generally good spirited people and always just like seeing the bright side of things and haven't had too much, you know, strife in their life. And like this album just kind of like, I'll get it, but it's, it's catchy. And then there's people that have like gone through some things or been in like the same headspaces as, as Kurt Cobain. And you're just like, fuck man. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> and, uh, very much so with nevermind. That's how, I, that's how I feel. I respect that. I mean, Nevermind is a classic album um, in a way that a lot of classic albums aren't. Uh, when you think of classic albums, I think a lot of times we think of albums that are like perfect storms of that genre and that time and those people. And and that's why they stick out. Right. But an album like Nevermind was a phenomenon. It changed music. It changed mm. the way music was consumed it changed the way music was created it changed the way pop radio functions it killed an entire genre it killed hair metal yeah single-handedly just the the first three chords of smells like teen spirit killed hair metal on their own that's a good point and it's like this album spawned the myth and the legend around Kurt Cobain, as well as one of the greatest rock careers of all time. Yeah, Mr. David Grohl. Dave Grohl's <laughs> uh, run as like maybe one of the greatest badasses of all time. Badass rock and roll musicians of all time. So it's like this album is a monolith. Nirvana, Nirvana's Nevermind is a fucking monolith in all music. It's like when the same way that music changed forever the moment someone made distortion in a guitar. Mm-hmm. Or the same way music changed forever when people put together a hundred musicians and made an orchestra, Nirvana's yeah. Nevermind changed music. Yeah. So it's like this this thing is uh is like the underpinnings of music as we know it right now 
every artist that you listen to is owing something to what they were able to do on that album. That's why I think Nevermind is such a good pick. It, yeah. Even, whether you like it or not, it is something that you are exposed to. That's a good point. I don't I, see. I don't, I don't make these connections. I don't like. I can see that connection with, um, with like how how you know Kanye with 808s and Heartbreak influenced a lot of what you know like made Drake's career, made like these the weekend like you know. So basically, and now that you explained it like that, it's kind of like this like set out the template. Like this is how things could be done. It doesn't have to be, you know, carbon copy for rock. We don't all have to have long ass like teased out hair fucking electric right light we, shows. we don't have to all be poison well yeah we don't all have to be you know uh so that's that's definitely cool because i i i can't get into a whole generation of brett michaels agreed 100 percent agreed and so i think in a in a in a way twisted so sister your album came out in 91 and my album came out in 96 I was a child. I was still only like seven when this album came out. But I was a full-grown adult. You were a full-grown adult. It's just weird how uh, aging works. I I didn't listen to this album until I was an adult. I basically didn't listen. I wouldn't say an adult. I didn't listen to this album until the early two thousands, uh, which is when I got into Tool. And looking back at its place in the mid nineties, um, this album isn't isn't a direct response or isn't like a genre defining it is singularly the sound of tool yeah which is i think one of the things that makes it so interesting to me is that i've never heard before or since uh a band that can distill its sound so fucking well yeah there's a lot of bands that put out music and that music might occasionally sound like very very singular to them mm-hmm. but most of the time is mimicking something else that's going on yeah that's you don't you don't get that at all with tool right and you when you hear a tool song you know it's a fucking tool song the mm-hmm. the time signatures are strange the rhythms are strange the lyrics are strange it's all very out there yeah i was, I was gonna get i was gonna get onto about that but that's not this album that i was thinking of in particular so i think it's uh lateralis yeah lateralis where has they like use the fibonacci sequence yeah. in one of the songs yeah no, it's... so you know that's 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 this this album in a in a really weird way to me is um it, it's it's like an angry album about real things mm. and it ranges from songs about overstimulation to <laughs> songs about um you know your uh your uh, uh you know your relationship with the music industry as an artist you know, there's a whole thing. There's a song in there called Hooker with a Penis, which yes. is basically about the idea of, of what does it mean to actually sell out? Um, you know, there's songs about relationships. There's songs about uh, the end of the world. There's songs about, you know, rediscovering who you were as a, as a child and, and sort of being okay with who you are now. There's like a lot of really deep stuff, stuff that constantly are things that I, at least I am am struggling with on a regular basis is like, you know, am I authentic? Am I am I presenting myself as who I am? Am I sugarcoating too much? Am I selling out? Is it like those are things that I still think about as an adult, and that's where they were in the mid '90s making this this album. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the older I've gotten, the more this album has turned from just um, 
a feeling of wow this is like quintessential tool this is fantastic i love the way it makes me feel and sound to like oh shit like listening to what he's saying and hearing the words that are coming out of his mouth i can relate much more to what he's talking about it used to be oh it's kind of these strange words that i'll sing along with and i kind of get what he's saying but like i'm not putting two and two together and now i I sort of feel like i can see where they're coming from i can see where the music is coming from where the lyrics are coming from and i think that's something that really separates tool and it's ability to put together this like um relatable and yet very also kind of like like um tribal or like uh uh it's like an it's almost like innate it's like within you like the rhythms and the sounds that they make i feel like are something that people like gravitate towards on like a cellular level yeah you just feel it super primal you primal that's like i think like the best example of it is like how how Maynard moves on stage whenever whenever he's like really into the rift or like really getting into it he does like this weird like you have to look up a YouTube video yeah. to get what I'm saying but he like that's how all of the songs when they hit that's how I, that's how I want to move it's not a dance yeah it's not a dance it's, it's just like, like your body is just like moving along with it yeah it's uh it's almost it, it's very like a spiritual type of deal I think that's why um maybe Tools fan base gets a bad rep. Because they they get to that level where they truly believe that they are superior, and if you don't get tool, you're a fucking idiot moron. Yeah, and they're not going to talk down or cater to you. Yeah, so, so that's why they get a bad rap. I, they sometimes they deserve it because they act like jackasses. Yeah, well, I hope hard. I'm not going to be that guy. So not everybody's uh, woke, <laughs> like us. Tool woke. Uh, let's go to let's go and kick off. What what, what are the uh, what's the first song you want to talk about? Well, you off, obvi- never mind. obviously can't skip. Smells like Teen Spirit. <laughs> That's right, and uh, and this is what smells like Teen Spirit sounds like. In case you like were living this is under your a rock. first time hearing anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> if you've never turned on the radio. is so fucking good yeah it's undeniable it it's it, it's strange because so i grew up in i grew up in la and the radio station that plays rock in la is k-rock k-r-o-q k-rock plays two things constantly non-stop all day long they play nirvana all day long and they play red hot chili peppers all day long and i as a kid growing up in high school and through college, listening to radio fucking hated it because it was so played out. I was constantly listening to it. It has been literally seven years since I've listened to any Nirvana. I will, I do not listen to them on a choice basis, but the first 30 seconds of that song are undeniable is the perfect way of describing (laughs) it because it just makes you want to fucking move. And it's just so good. It's so good in so many ways. Yeah. It makes me want to break shit. (laughs) <laughs> yes, a hundred percent agree. Isn't that what the music video is all about too? It's just like probably them in a room with like a hundred teenagers like moshing. Yeah, man, it's just <clears throat> it's just so thrash. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know how else to put it. 
smells like teen spirit it smells like team spirit man it's it's a cultural phenomenon in and of itself um so yeah we can just go ahead and move into the next song because there's not <laughs> honestly what can you say about smells like teen spirit that hasn't been said i agree what's your next one so my next one is i'm gonna go with in bloom because it's the next song next track wow Often in history has someone wrote a song making fun of somebody, like actively calling them out, like talking shit about them, and then that that same mass of people rejoice at hearing it and <laughs> love it. <laughs> he's he's basically like that that's one of the coolest things about about Nirvana, I think, where where there's maybe a crossover between between tool is like this idea of being yourself and like double downing on being exactly who you are and not selling out and and not uh being happy about the fact that you're famous almost like an active like reproach to it um that's like this song is like a, a definition of that he's writing a song about the guys that show up to his concerts now after bleach came out and are singing along, and they have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect example is like when you have something. It's like it's the hipster mentality, I guess. But it's like when you have something that you feel like you found first, and you love it, and it's like maybe it's a pair of pants or a pair of shoes or a company of, of shirts or some shit, and you're just like, man, I love this shirt. I, man, I just like really dig this jacket. And then like slowly, that brand builds popularity. And then, like, you show up to work one day and, like, four other people have, like, something by that company. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> that's, I feel like that's how all Nirvana fans feel. And I feel like that's how all Tool fans feel. But the problem, the, the problem is, is, like, there's stuff so good that everybody likes it. Right. You can't not sing along. He's the one right? who likes all our pretty songs. You're like, wait a second. Wait, what? And what it, did I just say? And... Where whereas feel is as tool probably is like embraced that and they're like yeah there's gonna be some idiots that don't get it but whatever, Nirvana was like no we still want to fight you like you guys <laughs> made fun of us in in high school and elementary school because we were weird and now you're singing our shit get the fuck out of here, that's that's what's like so badass and punk about Nirvana, so I love it it's I, it it really is powerful stuff. And drain you like man, what a like solid like one two punch. <laughs> like as soon as you come down from smells like Teen Spirit, you're like, <laughs> I've been attacked. Yeah, is that your next one, drain you? No, no, my no. next one's uh, lithium. Lithium. Okay, here's lithium. I'm 
I'm so happy Cause today from my friends You're in my head I'm so ugly That's okay Cause so are you Broke on me is Sunday morning Cause every day for all I care And I'm not scared Light my candles In our days Cause I found God Damn, the Fuck. vocal stylings of Arm and Hammer. I'm, I'm like, I... Hyped? Ha, have Actually choosing to listen to this makes it a thousand times better than having it <laughs> shoved down my throat. Forced, forced at you? Yeah. Dude, Lithium's so good. It's it's un, I feel like it's underrated on this album. Yeah. Um, And it's... uh. I, when I when I was in like high school, I didn't really understand why it was called lithium. Like the only lithium that I knew in my life was like lithium ba- batteries that patter- powered my phone. I didn't realize it was something that they gave to people. Uh, like it's a m- medicine of some Correct. sort or it's ingredient for, um, that's used for like bipolar and mental disorders. Exactly. Um, and like and what, schizophrenia. And like the results that it leaves you with is like this like manic depression and like emptiness, like just extremes, highs and lows. And then just nothingness is my understanding. Um, it just like cuts all emotions out. Um, and every line of this song is like a happy, sad or a sad, happy line. Like I'm so happy cause today I found all my friends. They're in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, li- lithium is just badass, And I, and I think it works as like a perfect interlude uh into the i mean honestly like breed breeds kind of kind of dark too but lithium's like that it's like oh there's like a there's a tortured twist to this and then the next song's polly and polly is like man like if you if you listen to that and then you kind of know the story behind it it's so fucking dark it's it's just it's on it's like unsettling the lyrics we go from being like this is kind of bizarre and like why is he who's Polly and why she want a cracker? And I, I don't, what is going on here? And then you're like, Oh fuck. This is like based off a real life event of a, of a kidnapping. So tell, tell me about Polly. So, so my understanding about the song is that it's written, uh, inspired by an actual kidnapping that happened in Tacoma, Washington. After a concert, a girl was coming home and then was abducted. And then when they found her, they, she was alive. She escaped alive, but she had been tortured and I believe raped. But there was like signs of like wire being used and all types of like crazy tools to like, uh, you know, elicit the, the torture that, that, that happened to her. Um, and after news made way to Kurt and the guys at Nirvana, they like played like uh, shows to like try to raise money and like, uh, just like bring advocacy to or not advocacy, but awareness up about about rape and whatnot. Um, but at the same time, they created this extremely like fucked up like Buffalo Bill style song. Like it's it's Polly. That, that's Polly. Polly sounds like this. Some water to put out the blow torch. 
Some real and dark shit. You're familiar. You're familiar with the story behind. I it. I did not know the story. I've just been yes. singing along to that song my entire now childhood. Do the lyrics like click more? Like, yes, yes. It it makes me sound. Like, it makes let me, me ride. Why yourself? Ever, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Maybe I should get <laughs> off her for it. Polly wants some water to put out the blowtorch. <laughs> it's fucked up because yeah. it's like it's yeah, man. So definitely some dark levels to that shit. Um, moving on to. I guess maybe a little bit more positive. Maybe. You, you said this album was, wasn't a sad album, but I assure you, Drain You is pretty sad. It sounds something like this. One baby two, another says I'm lucky to meet you. I'm done. So this song is not a not a happy song, dude. I <clears throat> listen. <laughs> I I've, I've been in a long relationship before. <laughs> and man, did this does this song resonate with the feelings that I encountered in that relationship? You know, Chase, I don't think this song is about a person. No. I think this song might be about heroin. Nah. But uh I think I think you can tie it to the idea of two people being together, right? And like one's like the 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 duty of the one person is to, you know, completely just bring the other person down type of deal. So there's that level, but then there's also like the drug level of it, which Kurt's basically like making a metaphor for and being like, Yeah, you're like born with this itch and then like it's like there's two babies, one's you, and then one's this like addictive thing, and then you get like hooked to it, and it's like its responsibility is to just fuck up your entire life. But the only reason I feel like it might actually be about a relationship originally, and he didn't have the wherewithal to write it that way, is because he was probably pretty fucked up when he wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and then like in retrospect, he's like, oh shit, that is some deep stuff I did mean. I don't know. Interesting. But I mean, how does how does it make you feel? Uh, it's you know we we didn't we didn't play the entire song, and there is a very unsettling bridge in this song where all the lyric all like the music kind of goes away for a second, and it turns into like this really strange like trip. That's why I feel like this song is mainly about drugs. At least the, I don't know musically, it just has like this moment where it feels like 
an audio representation of what I imagine being mm. on heroin feels like. I don't know. I don't know what type of high people get from heroin. Normally, they just go to sleep. I, I don't know. What, stop doing it. That's the thing. I don't know what type of high people get from heroin either. I've just seen pictures of heroin users, and that is a musical representation of a picture of a heroin user. So yeah, and I I unfortunately know that heroin was really common in that scene, the grunge scene. Mm-hmm. You know, Allison Chains Lane Staley died from a heroin overdose. And to be fair, he looked. I mean, Kurt fit the build. Kurt definitely looked like he was a heroin. I dude. mean, you could easily replace Jason Mewes from Jay and Silent Bob with Kurt Cobain. They're you're, like at that time, they looked exactly <laughs> the same. You know what they both had in common? They hung out with a fat guy that didn't talk. Uh, <laughs> Before we move on to the next song, though, um, I want to go back to Territorial Pissings because I just remembered the story about it and okay. why, why, it, why it stands out. So here's, here's the song Territorial Pissings. I've literally never heard that song before. Are you serious? Swear to God. God. What is the song about? It just sounds like a crazy ass punk song. Yeah, right? So it does. It, the person talking at the beginning is uh, that Chris, Chris Nov, I don't know how to say his last name, Novosek? From, yeah, from Chris Novosek, yeah. <clears throat> so that's him like doing that smile on your brother type of thing. Uh, and then it opens with Kurt saying, when I was an alien, cultures, cultures weren't opinions. <laughs> Um, I, I'm very so confused it, by this. Song. I, I, yeah, I don't, I've, I don't know if there is anything to make out of it. If there's a deeper meaning to it, but what's important about this song is that Nirvana, during like the height of the craze, was brought onto this British TV late night show uh, with, I believe the guy's name was Jonathan Ross, and the people at the show were like, "All right, we want you to play Lithium," because at the time that was their like other than something you know uh, other than smells like teen spirit lithium was the big song and they're like go fuck yourself we'll play lithium and instead they played this no way played this i don't even think they finished the song before they destroyed all their equipment and then left the stage that's the most rock and roll thing they could have possibly done that's yeah, fantastic man. and the song's called territorial pissings which is such a metal name that's great so badass that's a cool story i didn't know that yeah, so the, the last one I want to hit on um, is something in the way. from the league and the animals have tried 
Okay to eat fish. They don't have any feelings, dude. That that song is like, for me, like everything else on it is fine, and they're like bangers or whatnot. I'm still using bangers to describe. That doesn't work rock. in this genre. But all those are fine. But this is like this is the runaway of this album for me. If we're tying this back to Kanye West, interesting. Um, it's just like this crazy distillation of I think uh, of what kurt cobain is um and i think it was like super open it was like <clears throat> kind of look past the past the veil of like the angst and anger and frustration that he felt and this was more him being like no this is like this is also the other side of me and this is why like maybe he didn't understand it but this is why like i have trouble accepting this and explaining how i feel is this this situation um and really, really cool note about something in the way is that I believe it was whoever the producer or director of this album was Butch Vig. If, if that's how you pronounce his last name, it might be Vig. Um, said that that during the recording of the song, they were having all types of like, like just struggle, like getting along. Like Kurt was really frustrated and like getting pissed off at the band. And in between recording takes, he would just start playing it and singing it by himself to try to impress the band. Um, and eventually, I guess, Vig or Vig just decided to record that. So he recorded that. And then after he successfully got that, I guess Kurt left. And then the rest of the band played their parts. And then they brought it together. And that's how they end up getting the song. So if you listen to it, it kind of sounds like Kurt's not playing over top of any other instruments or his his tone and his the sound of his voice is just a little bit clearer to me. Um so that's that's super cool about something in the way. And then the other thing is he talks about living under a bridge that he never lived under. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just funny. That, I mean it's fucked up. I guess maybe in his head he felt like he lived under the bridge. I mean there was definitely a time when he was homeless, but I think he was staying with people because if you look like Kirk Cobain as a heroin addict you still look pretty damn good. Yeah, I think you'll be fine. And you don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep. Yeah, man. So I also feel like, you know, not to keep tying this back to Kanye, but to keep tying this back to Kanye, this is like, it feels like St. Pablo where you get like a State of the Union address because this was originally the final song on the album. And this is like, this is where I'm at and this is where my headspace is at in this current moment in time. Whereas the rest of the album was this, that's the character, this is me. Uh, yeah, so I don't, that's back, back to what you were saying at the beginning where like everything from the point this album came out to today, um, can somehow be, you can somehow tie influences and inspiration back to it. Yeah. Super sick. This album is a monolith and, uh, I'm really glad that you talked about it because it's great. And it's an album that I have not really ever, uh, dove into. I've, I've heard all of the singles and some of the B the b-sides off of it but i've I've never really listened to the whole thing front to back i um, haven't had enough rainy days my friend yeah apparently <laughs> so my my choice learn to swim tools anima uh was released about five years after this after uh never came out and sounds totally different 
similar instruments. It's like guitars. Uh, white bass, people singing. Drums, white people singing. But a completely different vibe, feel, and and actually, uh, just from a logistics standpoint, um, Tool had released this is their second studio album, follow-up uh, to Undertow, which came out a few years before this, but they changed bassists mm. between Undertow and Anima. And you can tell because Undertow's bass work is good, but much more... I'd say the entire album, their first album, is much more like metal-heavy and melodic as opposed to progressive. Mm. And I think Anima is really where they start leaning into the, the progressive nature of their metal. And so they actually, I'm not sure if, if they started with doing this on, on this album, but Tool's recording process is very unique in that the band musicians, uh, Danny Carey, um, Adam, and Justin Chancellor, the the drummer, guitarist, and bassist, they write and record all the music mm. and then send it to Maynard, who yeah. listens to it, writes lyrics, and then comes in and sings his, his parts. Yeah, I remember hearing that. So his uh, the lyrical uh, uh, content is interesting in that, like a fan of the music, it's it's kind of a personalized interpretation like emotional response to what the music, to what made the music feel. is exactly so i think there's there's like a there's really interesting steps there and so like i said earlier this this entire album has very very different um very different sort of themes throughout it the songs all kind of talk about um real life stuff in these like angry powerful changing ways so i guess i'd like to just start off with the very first track on the album, which is called Stink Fist. Oh, hell yes. So that's Stink Fist. Uh, Stink Fist, yes, refers to the sexual act of fisting. Yes, it does. In which a fist is inserted into an anus or a vagina. Which led to this song not actually being censored and then not being allowed to be played on MTV, if I remember correctly. Correct. They had to refer to it as track one. They couldn't, they couldn't call it Stink Fist. Yeah. Whereas these days, skeet, 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 skeet. You know what I mean? These days, they would just lean with asshole fisting, then that that track name will get played. Yeah. So, uh, in a in a way, this is a really perfect example of what makes Tool Tool. In mm-hmm. that, it's a song that is presented in a very crass and rude and uh, almost like designed to insult your sensible. Uh, a mindset and yet the message behind it 
is significantly deeper. The message behind it is where does overstimulation end? At what point do you just say this is enough and I don't need more? Yeah, I remember my man, I had this song explained to me way too young. <laughs> I was I don't even know if I was in high school yet. I was probably middle school, maybe eighth grade year. But having this whole concept of like um overstimulation and the numbing effect of just seeing wilder and doing wilder and wilder shit until at some point you're just like running each other over with your car because that's that's where you've gotten to <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's a couple there's a couple uh lyrics in here that that kind of point to what is going on um during the chorus he's constantly saying that it's not enough i don't want it i just need it to breathe to feel to know i'm alive mm-hmm. um you know where another version of this is um you know, there's something kind of sad about the way things have come to be. I'm desensitized to everything. What became of subtlety? So there's this there's this really clear message when you break down the lyrics. Like there is this question that's being asked. At what point is it too much? Even yeah. then, 90, 1996, very little Internet, no iPhones. No social media. No no instant access to any type of porn. No instant <laughs> access to porn. No instant access to other humans. No. And the worry was we were being overstimulated by the world around us. Yeah, dude. I also like about this is that every chorus, it goes from like a, a finger. That's right. To like a his wrist. Yeah. To his elbow. And to it's shoulder like deep. shoulder deep <laughs> beyond the borderline. That's right. God bless. That's right. And so, uh, and so I think I think this is a perfect example of of Tool doing what they do best, which is creating metal that is kind of uh you know it it puts you on your it immediately knocks you back onto your heels you're like what the fuck dude fisting and then you realize that there's actually something meaningful Me, and intellectual <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly exactly um the next couple songs on the album are are interesting the next track on the album is called eulogy it's about probably about uh l ron hubbard um and comparing him to to jesus but in a very non-flattering way uh the song after that is about um himself or his, his kid uh h it's about basically maynard writing a song about like am i losing my edge since i have a child now which is an interesting question for a metalhead who just wrote a song about fisting as a metaphor for overstimulation <laughs> so maybe the answer to that is no listen that's the song drake should have came out with that's right that's right. Uh, Drake definitely lost his edge because he had a child. Um, soft ass bitch. Soft ass bitch, Drake. The next song I want to talk about is called 46 and 2. God damn.
So 46 and 2 refers to the human chromosome. Well, well not exactly the human chromosome. So the human DNA sequence has 44 uh, chromosomes and two sex chromosomes. And the idea is the next evolution will be 46 and 2. Mm. That's where the name of the song comes from, right? Um, this is a song about the change that happens within yourself and being comfortable with those changes. Mm. Puberty. No, I'm just kidding. It's not puberty. Uh, I'm pretty sure Captain America used this for either Winter Soldier. Really? In the trailer. Or no. it was or it was the first Captain America trailer. That would be pretty cool. I think they did. That would be pretty cool. Because it's like... Um, I like this song because it was one of the songs that I remember singing along to. I remember experiencing live and yet not really understanding it. I conceptually understood, oh, it's about evolution. But I didn't understand as a kid, as like a high school student, I didn't understand the concept of change. I'd been around for not long enough in the world and I had not experienced enough change. I didn't understand change um, or growth. And I think the bridge of this song is a perfect example of why so many people who are fans of Tool like their lives change in a, in a way. And here's the lyrics. He says, I choose to live and to grow, to take and give and to move, learn and love and to cry, kill and die and to be paranoid and to lie, hate and fear and to do what it takes to move through. So the, the, the entire like conceit of the album is basically like trying to move into the next phase of your being the way, like a snake shedding its skin or, you picking open a scab that's a wound in yourself and moving through that into, you know, whatever your growth, next level of growth is, whatever your change is. And I think the the concept of like choosing to live, grow, move, cry, die, be paranoid, hate, have fear, have love, have learning is like this really proactive way of describing growth, it's like mm. choosing growth, which is something that. I know that these days in like self-help books is like really fucking common. It's like this idea of having a growth mindset of like yeah. choosing growth. Well, he's just, you know, presenting that concept in the middle of like a metal song. A yeah. Making like a, a mantra out of it. Uh, it's, <clears throat> I was today's years old when I found out what this song was actually about. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I knew it was about about evolution and chromosomes, but I had never really like dug into the lyrics because they kind of come at you really fast. They do come at you really fast, and he doesn't make it easy to understand sometimes. So, yeah. Uh, the next couple songs on the album message to message Harry to Harry Manback. Harry Manback is a reference to uh, an old Bill Hicks comedy. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. He'll come back later on in this. Um, you, have you've heard the uh, oh, shit? Uh, it's a special album that they did. It was live cuts. Salival? That's it. Correct. Right? And he opens up Push It with uh, the Bill Hicks. With more Bill talking Hicks, Talking about yeah. the third there's, eye. There's actually... The, he actually does that in this album. I'll get there. Um, so, okay. Message Wait. to Harry Man back, which was uh, basically a voicemail message left from, like, this Italian guy saying he's going to fucking kill this the, the guy he left it on, who was, like, a, a member of another band somewhere. Hooker with the Penis, which is a song about selling out and being the man. It's great. It's very, very exciting. Um, and then he has, we get into the back half of the album. And the back half of the album gets a little strange. <laughs> it's uh, 
tracks 8 through 15. So we're talking about seven tracks on this album. But in reality, it's just four songs. Uh, there's a bunch of little things in the middle. Mm. The, the, the first of those four songs is called Jimmy. It's a song about himself. Uh, uh, I don't, there's no real reason to play it. I played it um, earlier when, the, when the, uh, we started the show. But Jimmy is basically a song referring to Maynard James Keenan. When he was 11, his, his mom had an aneurysm and it like completely changed their lives. So he Jesus. basically was was like arrested in his development as a child at 11 and immediately had to become the adult mm-hmm. in order to take care of his family and his mom. So it like really now as an adult listening to that, I, I understand what he's talking about. As a kid listening to it, I was like, this is a really dark song, but I don't really get it. So uh, Jimmy's a really interesting song. Uh, the next real song after that is Push It. Push It is about relationships. But the last two songs on the on the album. I can't believe you're skipping over Push It, but that's fine. I, I you're you're the one who's up against a clock here. I could talk about I could talk about every one of these songs until until I run out of breath. But Push It is fantastic. I would actually suggest listening to the live version yeah. over the the uh, studio version. So the live better. version is incredibly good. But definitely play it, play it very loud with your windows down beside a church. Hell yes. Um, so the last two real songs on the album are called Anima, which is, you know, the title track and Third Eye. So Anima sounds something like this. Yeah, I'm saying it. Yeah, uh, that's right. The flush only it all way. way. The only way to fix it is to flush it all away. Uh, this song, Anima, and the title, Anima, it is a portmanteau. It's a mix of two two words. Enema. Enema, which is you know what your grandparents do to their buttholes. It's also what I do every <laughs> Thursday night. Get loose. <laughs> and uh, anima, which is kind of like this uh, uh, Jungian psychological concept of like the soul or the spirit of something. Holy shit. Anima. I never knew that. Really? I've always I've always called this album Enema because I was just like, oh, he's using the either A or E thing there. It doesn't matter. I'm going to call it whichever one. So now it's a soul flushing. <laughs> it's a soul flushing. And uh, this song is... 100% directly about the culture of humanity in Los Angeles, California. The city which I was born and raised in, a city with which I identify with, and a song with whom I agree 100 fucking percent. Because the entire song is based off of a concept from a Bill Hicks, uh, a Bill Hicks comedy bit where he's basically saying like, don't worry about the end of the world. If you're in LA, 
because there's going to be an earthquake and and California is going to sink into the ocean. It's just going to become Arizona Bay. And so the concept here is what's going on? Like, why can't we just have this happen sooner? Why can't we just flush away all of this bullshit? And uh, and he's 100 percent right, because the way that he describes Los Angeles in the mid 90s is still to this day accurate. Fret mm. for your figure, fret for your latte, fret for your lawsuit, fret for your hairpiece, fret for your Prozac, fret for your contract, fret for your car. Uh, let's see. Uh, fuck L. Ron Hubbard. Fuck all his clones. Fuck these gun-toting hip gangster wannabes. Fuck retro anything. Fuck your tattoos. Fuck all you junkies. Fuck your short memory. Fuck these dysfunctional, insecure actresses. Fuck smiley glad hands with hidden agendas. It's like an absolute... Uh, just lambasting and and destruction of everything that makes LA LA. Like the fakeness, the bullshit, the the fake smiles, the people who don't belong, the people who are trying so hard to belong, the cultures of of uh you know people sort of like stealing and taking and never giving and never helping, and all of that is like just is is just it, like it it is it drips down into every fucking word that he says until he's basically just saying like i'm over it like why can't all of this just go away why can't la just just be suffer from a, like a life ending earthquake. earthquake which turns it into a bay and everyone just drowns out into uh into nothing and it's uh you know it's not a happy song but it's fucking metal and it's a great song. It's entertaining as fuck. It is entertaining as fuck. Being song. someone that's from the yeah. other side of the world where we didn't have any of these problems. <laughs> it's also very fun to listen to. Uh, it has a lot it has a lot going on. And the very last track on the album is called Third Eye, and it goes something like this. See, I think drugs have done some good things for us. I really do. And if you don't believe drugs have done good things for us, do me a favor. Go home tonight, take all your albums, all your tapes, and all your CDs and burn them. Because you know what? The musicians who made all that great music that's enhanced your lives throughout the years. Real fucking high on drugs. It's very difficult to pick any like 15 to 30 second clip of this song because it sounds so different in very many different portions of it. That's a good point. Um, but hopefully you guys got a feel for it uh, with sort of one or two of those those pieces. But it starts off with a Bill Hicks uh, bit. Mm-hmm. Bill Hicks being a very large part R. of R. this P. album. Yeah. Rest in peace, Bill one Hicks. Of the, one of the greatest to ever do it. Yes. From and Austin, Texas. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, there you go. I didn't realize that Bill Hicks is from Austin, Texas. Um, I believe Bill Hicks died pretty close to like right before this. Like 1995, um, I think. 94, yeah. So he died while they were basically writing and recording this album. And they were big fans, close friends. And as you can tell from that that little joke in there is this idea that Bill Hicks is all about 
personal freedom mm-hmm. is like, don't tell me what to do. Let me just do whatever I want. You know, if you think drugs are bad, then go home, burn all your albums because all those out, al- all those me- those songs that have like enriched your lives. All those guys were real high on drugs. And, um, this song third eye is entirely about using, uh, probably using drugs DMT to reconnect with who you were at one point and then move forward with an understanding of, of that's, that's who you can be again. And I think the specific, uh, the specific case that Maynard is singing about in this song is he's talking to a younger version of himself, the version from Jimmy, which is why I mentioned it earlier. The, the version from Jimmy, the 11 year old who was kind of like arrested in his development when his mother had this aneurysm, um, that has sort of like, he, it feels like this, this stall in his life. And so during third eye, there's parts where he talks about, you know, um, you know, seeing his himself as a child and having this like rhyme stuck in his head. He said specifically, a child's rhyme is stuck in my head. It is said that life is but a dream. I've spent so many years in question to find I've known this all along. It's so good to see you. I've missed you so much. So glad it's over. I came out to watch you play. And so it's basically this idea of, oh, I'm, I, I knew that like, all life is but a dream. Like that's this drug that's taking over. But then the the next experience is is coming to witness himself as a child, like like meeting his childhood self and having this conversation and just being like, like we can be together again. Like the child who was lost with my mother's illness doesn't need to be lost forever. Like the the part of me that is gone with a traumatic experience doesn't need to forever be gone. I can be whoever it is that I want to be maybe just through drugs, but like also just through self awareness and you know, some sort of like introspection, introspection, like whatever tool, which is not, it's not a, it's not an accident that the name of the band is tool, whatever tool it is you're using to reconnect those dots, those pieces of you that may be gone. Those tools are, completely viable like you can find these pieces and there's even a, a a whole thing about trying to he he has a during the bridge um he sings about uh shrouding all the ground around me is a holy crow above me black as holes within a memory and blue is our new second sun that's basically talking about drugs uh i stick my hand into its shadow pull the pieces from the sand which i attempt to reassemble to see just who i might have been so it's hmm. this idea of like find this tool, whatever that tool ends up being, whether it's music or drugs or whatever. And if you're if you're using it in a way to like explore, discover and recreate yourself into what you want to have been at some point. Yeah. Then why should anybody stop you from doing that? So the concept of prying open your third eye that comes up a lot um, in this song. And, the, you know, the third eye is some sort of like yogic thing karmic thing that's a real thing as a real thing it's it, right there i don't know much about it but it's um, in the center of your forehead yeah so the the song itself is like this really it's pineal uh, gland that's what it was that's right that's the one in, in between you only have one of those it's mm-hmm. it's in between the the right and left hemisphere of your yeah. brain um yeah the song is about is about you know reconnecting with what was once a lost part of who you are as a person um and that i think authenticity that 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 the yeah 
Yeah, man, that's, that's deep as fuck. It's deep as fuck. I fucking love it, man. I could talk about Tool all day long. And I, uh, I, I really do love this album. I think it's worth listening to cover to cover. There's a, a few like filler tracks that you can skip that don't really have any any uh, content in it. For example, there's a song called "The Eye of On Satan," <laughs> which which stands for the I always eggs say of, it wrong. Yeah, the eggs of Satan, and it's literally a recipe for hash cookies that don't have eggs in it. No eggs, hash cookies, <laughs> right? But it's it's like really fucking like it's this German guy yelling it, and there are crowds like screaming behind it, and it sounds super satanic because a lot of the music is in reverse. It's, it's so really incredible. really weird. Um, but like you could probably skip that song. You can probably just go straight or to don't. Yeah, you can probably go you know listen to this song and uh, or listen to this album and and I think really open up your next house party with Dyer and Von Satan, <laughs> maybe. Um, it's also good workout music. I think Anima is like Hell great yeah. fucking workout music. But anyway, I think uh, I think that that should just about do it for this. I I personally love not talking about hip hop sometimes. And here's what I want our challenge to be because Chase and I haven't discussed this. I I want our next episode. Here's what it's going to be because there's there's I don't know if people have heard it yet, but we also did a little bonus episode about Chance the Rapper's most recent four songs. So Chance we kind of did a little bit of hip hop music there. Here's what I want to do. Snuck it in. The two of us are going to pick either an album or uh, a song or something like that that we know the other person has definitely not listened to. Easy. Which is not hip hop. Easy. And we're going to basically present it to one another and see how that goes. (laughs) This is going to be really interesting. I love it. All right. So, uh, Chase, go ahead, buddy. Uh, I'm at Chase504 on all of the things. Uh, also behind the uh, Instagram account, four ears, then le- the number, the number four, then the word ears podcast on Instagram. So if you have any special requests that you want us to do, either hit me up at Chase504 or at that Instagram account, four ears podcast. Um, and let us know what, uh, what you want us to review, what you want us to talk about, or if you think we're just completely wrong about Nevermind and anima very good and you can find me at arm and hammer tv thank you so much everybody for listening this was our favorite 90s non-hip-hop albums nirvana's nevermind and tools anima thanks so much folks we're gonna catch you later